Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. Will you turn back to Acts chapter 22, where we were just a moment ago? Hey, last week we finished up chapter 21, and uh, but, I mean, if you remember, we were kind of left hanging. Um, <laughs> Paul had been arrested, and, and uh, he was in a, a, like a Roman fortress right at the edge of the temple. Uh, they had taken him in there to protect his life from a violent mob of Jewish people who wanted to kill him. And then Paul asked, hey, can I speak to all these people? And the Roman soldiers said, yeah, we'll let you do that. So he gets up there in this uh, kind of tower in this big fortress, and he begins to speak to the people. But we didn't learn what he said. That end of verse 40 there in Acts 21 just said, same. Well, now we know what he said. We read it together earlier. And uh, what we find here, uh, Paul's about to preach to all the Jews uh, from this balcony on this Roman army fortress. He's about to preach to these Jews who were trying to kill him just moments earlier. And he gets this unusual sermon opportunity that he seizes here. What we've got in chapter 22 is a powerful presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul shares a testimony with them of his salvation. And in so doing, he's given out the life-transforming gospel of Jesus Christ. We read this together earlier. Before we study it verse by verse, join me. Let's all go to the Lord in prayer. Ask his blessing our time together. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit, who's present here in the lives of every single person who's trusted in Jesus as Savior, would he please help us understand what it is you have for us here in Acts 22. Now, it's the gospel, and, and, and we might think, well, we know that, but Lord, we need the gospel every day, not just to be saved, but to continue in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Help us understand what you're calling us to do here. Uh, Lord, I pray that I'd be able to make that very clear. More than anything, we don't want to leave here just more informed about what Acts 22 says. We want to leave here transformed, conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. We want to leave here changed. I pray that that would happen this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the first five verses, uh, Paul in this opportunity, he's got to speak to these people. Uh, he begins by uh, presenting to them his commonality with them. Uh, I want you to look at how he begins this powerful presentation in verse 1. He says, men and brethren and fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make unto you now, men, brethren, and fathers, that's intentional, uh, words of relationship that he has with them. Paul's identifying the commonality that he has with his audience here. They are Jewish, and he is Jewish. And then Paul goes even a step further in connecting himself to his audience. According to verse 2, it says, Paul speaks to them all in the Hebrew tongue. Now, he just spoken in Greek at the end of chapter 21 to the Roman soldiers. They were surprised. Now he speaks, it says, in the Hebrew tongue. Probably doesn't mean Hebrew like the language the Old Testament was written in. At this point in, in Israel, everyone there spoke Aramaic. That was the language that Jesus learned. And so it's probably what's intended here. He spoke to them in their common, normal dialect, the Aramaic language. And according to Acts 21.40, Paul had quieted down this whole audience when he appeared on the balcony by, by using body language, it says he waved his hand and they kind of quieted him down. But here it says that he quiets them down even further so that they can hear the important truths that he's about to tell them. 
and speaking to their language, he quiets them down. Before we go any further in our text here, I mean, let me pause to address what we can already apply to our lives as followers of Jesus Christ just from these first uh, two verses. Uh, if you have trusted in Jesus as your Savior, if you're a born-again Christian, if God has given you a mission. He has. We all have the same one. He's given you a mission. God holds you responsible for telling others about the salvation that's found in Jesus Christ. Um, that's not a mission that's just assigned to pastors or, or missionaries. I know some of you, um, I, I'm, I'm glad for this. I celebrate it every time I see you share it on Facebook or something. Some of you use the same devotional app I use in the morning for, you know, start my day off right with the Lord. It's, it's a Today in the Word app from Moody Bible Institute. And I was reading mine this morning before church and, and I got on there and uh, it was good. It's, we've been going through Ephesians so far this month in August there on that app. And um, it was Paul talking about the armor of God. And at the end of that passage, after he says, take the sword of the Spirit and be praying all the times, Paul says, won't you please pray for me? Pray that I have a, a fearlessness and a boldness to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so uh, in the app, uh, they always have a little application right at the end, things you're supposed to take away from it. And it says, uh, do you know a pastor or missionary for whom you can pray? Ask God to help them declare the gospel fearlessly as they should. I said, ooh, I like that because I know some of you use that. So I was like, I'm probably going to have some prayers uh, being sent up for me. But then I kind of got a little frustrated because, um, you know, it's not just my job as a pastor. It's not just a missionary's job like Pastor Walter or Pastor Andre or any of the missionaries that we support here. It's not just Pastor Tommy's job, Pastor Daniel's job. Sharing the gospel, it's every Christian's job. And so then I said, it says, do you know a pastor or a missionary for whom you can pray? I said, I sure do. I got about 220 of them every Sunday. And so right there this morning, I began praying for all of you that you'd have opportunities to present the gospel of Jesus Christ in the week ahead, that you see them and that you'd seize them. And then boldly, fearlessly, you would share the gospel just as Paul does here. He's just giving us testimony. Now, um, yeah, it's all of our jobs. The great commission Jesus gave to every single disciple of his. Now, one aspect of that, uh, one as aspect of us uh, doing that, making disciples, as we're going about life, making disciples, one aspect is sharing the gospel. I mean, that's the origin point. That's the beginning of every disciple of Jesus. Yes, we've learned this in Acts. Disciple making is so much more than just evangelization or, or just sharing the gospel with a lost person. It sure begins there, doesn't it? I mean, that, that's the start of it. And listen, when you do that, it's always helpful. It's helpful to the message that you're sharing for it to be received and understood. If there's some commonality between you and those you're sharing the gospel with. And it's always beneficial if you share the gospel message in a language that that person can understand. I'm not talking about English or, or Spanish. Uh, we just need to be careful that when we're sharing the gospel with someone or giving somebody our testimony of salvation, that we don't use terms that we might be familiar with as church people or, you know, somebody who's been saved for 20, 30, 40 years. Um, they might not understand them. There's terms, there's concepts that you as a Christian might know and use that somebody who's not yet a disciple of Christ might like, I don't know what you're talking about. You can call it Christianese or, or spiritual jargon or, or whatever. The point is that when we, we need to make sure that when we're sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, that we're connecting with people and that also we're communicating in a way they can understand. Look at verses 3 to 5 here. Paul continues to present his commonality with his audience. He reminds them, um, many of them who already knew him, knew who he was, he says, hey, I'm from where you're from. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a Jew, but I go, it goes even farther. I was born in Tarsus. And a part of Cilicia, all right? But I was brought up right here. I was brought up right here in Jerusalem. 
And he goes even further. He's not just ethnically Jewish, but Paul used to be religiously Jewish. He says, I, I was a student of Gamaliel. Now, we were introduced to that name way back in Acts chapter 5. In verses 34 and 35, um, Gamaliel was a well-respected Jewish rabbi. And uh, he told the Sanhedrin, uh, who were trying to stamp out the church by persecution right off the bat, right after it had started. Gamaliel said this in Acts 5, 34 to 39. Keep away from these men. Leave them alone. Don't be persecuting these Christians. For if this plan is of men, if this work is of men, then it's going to come to nothing. <laughs> but if it's of God, you cannot overthrow it. You really, you want to try to fight against God? Now, the unbelieving Jewish leaders, when Gamaliel told them that way back in Acts chapter 5, they, they did what he said for a short while, but it didn't last long. In fact, if you look at verses 4 and 5 here of Acts 22, Paul, uh, he, he didn't even uh, follow the advice of his teacher Gamaliel. Paul says there, I, I persecuted this way. Talking about Christianity. That was one of the names for followers of Jesus in the book of Acts. Paul says, I persecuted this way unto the death. I, I persecuted Christians. I had them arrested. I had them thrown in prison. Men, men and women. I even had letters from the high priest and the elders that gave me permission to go outside of Israel and hunt down Christians. I was headed to Damascus and I was going to round up a bunch of them. Paul did have a lot in common with these people he's speaking to here. He did. Not anymore. Paul met Jesus. And that's what he begins to talk about in verses 6 to 21. Paul presents his change. Paul's life had been transformed. He tells them about this transformation in verse 6. He tells them, yeah, I was on the way uh, to Damascus. I was going to carry out persecution against the Christians there. When all of a sudden, uh, about noon, there, there shone from heaven a great light all around me. And Paul tells them here in verses 7 to 13 about his salvation experience. He's sharing with them what we, we would say his, his testimony Paul says, when that great light from heaven shone, he fell to the ground. And he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Now, who's talking to Paul here in this account? Jesus, right? If you've got a Bible that has red letters, probably got these letters in red. Um, this account is first given to us back in Acts chapter 9. I guess when it happened chronologically, Paul's rehearsing it here. He's giving his testimony. Um, and Paul answers that question. He says, uh, who art thou, Lord? He knows this question came from heaven. Paul knows who's in heaven. And then Jesus identifies himself to Paul on that Damascus road. I want you to notice what Paul says here in verse 10. Once that happened, he says, I'm Jesus who you're persecuting. And then he says, what shall I do, Lord? What shall I do, Lord? Do you get that? Paul's calling on Jesus as his Lord now. Paul's meeting Jesus had an effect on him. Verses 10 and 13 remind us of what we learned back in chapter 9. Uh, Paul was blind for a few days. He obeyed what his now Lord Jesus told him to do. He went to the home of a man named Ananias there in Damascus until he was given his sight back. And when that happened, it says here that God through Ananias, he gave, God gave Paul some more information. And, you know, it wasn't just Paul's eyesight that, that was temporarily affected Paul getting saved transformed his whole life. His whole life. Verse 15, Paul shares with this large crowd from then on what he was commissioned to do by God. Verse 15 says, For thou shalt be his witness unto all men about what you have seen and what you have heard. Do you understand? You and I, if you receive Jesus as Savior, you have that same uh, commission. 
that you are to go and tell other people of what you have seen and heard about the change Jesus has made in your life. Paul's just giving his testimony here. He's telling them how he trusted in Jesus as his Savior. Now, Paul's got a dramatic testimony, doesn't he? I mean, we got the short version here. I mean, what he was to what he was now. And what happened? How that all happened? I want you to be careful. You might think, you might think, you know, I don't have that kind of thing. I wasn't knocked to the ground, blinded by some great light from heaven. I understand that. I mean, I was saved when I was four years old. Uh, I remember the, I don't remember the date, like, you know, September 3rd or whatever. I remember it was Wednesday night. I remember that because we went to church afterwards. But um, it was in my bedroom. It was dark for some reason. We were probably on the way to church. I was on my bed and I asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior. Now, the reason I did that is because probably the Sunday before and Sundays before that and Wednesdays before that and Sundays before that, I had people like Miss Kitty. I had, you know, my Sunday school teacher. I had Awana leaders who were telling me the gospel. I had a mom who constantly was telling me the gospel. She gets so excited. She, she tells me now, you know, because I would ask her a question about salvation and the gospel and I, she'd answer it. She's like, oh, I'm about to... I'm about to be able to lead my son to trust Jesus as Savior. And then I bolt off. She says, you're probably under conviction. You're kind of a naughty kid. But um, I was four years old. I mean, I don't have a Paul-like testimony, do I? Yeah, I do, and so do you. I mean, that's the reality. Uh, every person who's trusted in Jesus as Savior, you have just as miraculous, just as powerful a, a testimony as the Apostle Paul does here. Don't forget what, what you were. You were lost. I mean, without knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior, you were in bondage to sin. The fact that you didn't sin 24-7 every day of the week, the fact that you didn't go around persecuting Christians like Paul does, that makes no difference. Paul tells us what we were before trusting Christ as Savior. In Colossians 1-3, he says, you were a citizen of the kingdom of darkness. That's true for every single person before they come to Christ. I want you to listen to what Paul tells the Ephesian Christians about what they used to be in Ephesians 2, 1 through 5, before they trusted in Christ as Savior. He said, you were dead. <laughs> you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world. You just acted like everybody else does. It says, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's devil. That's who your Lord was. You might not have went to church and worshiped him, but that's who your Lord was. The Spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Paul says, before you came to Christ, you were by nature the children of God's wrath, just as everybody else is before they trust Christ as Savior. What happened? <laughs> I mean, why are you different now? In Ephesians 2, 4, just a few verses later, it's got two of the most beautiful words in all of God's words. It says, but God, but God who is rich <laughs> in mercy because of his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were like that, even when we were dead in our sins and trespasses, God has made us alive together with Jesus Christ. By grace, you are saved. And then he repeats that a few verses later in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace, you are saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. At some point, you heard the gospel. I want you to think back on it if you've been saved. Think about that time when you heard the gospel and, and you heard who Jesus is and what he had done for you to save you from your sin to give you new life in Christ now, to give you eternal life with Christ forever one day. At some point that happened, and then you told God. There was a moment in time. I don't know when it was. Think back on it now. There was a moment in time when you told God, I'm a sinner, and I need a, a Savior. And I'm trusting Jesus as my Savior. And you told God in prayer. He said, right now, I'm calling you. Save me, Lord. 
You don't understand that the moment that happened, you were plucked by God out of that kingdom of darkness that Paul said you were in in Colossians 1.13. And it says you were put down. You were plopped down in the kingdom of his dear son. And you're there forever. Amen? And that a beautiful truth? You're there forever. That's miraculous. Just as much as Paul's is. You didn't do that. <laughs> you didn't do that. The grace of God moved you to receive Jesus as your Savior. That's your testimony. And listen, it's a powerful presentation that God wants you to share with those who don't have that testimony yet. Are you communicating that to people? Are you? Maybe you say, well, I would if I was where Paul was. I mean, if I was up there in a Roman fortress and I had this kind of pulpit or platform and all these people, yeah, I would take that opportunity to, to share the gospel, share my testimony. Do you do it now? I mean, do you share your testimony? Maybe God brings some coworker, some friend your way. They're struggling with something. Do you point them to Jesus Christ? Do you use that opportunity to say, yeah, man, I, I hear you. I'm listening to you. But tell them about the joy that you have. And, and Jesus, the honest truth is this. Uh, you and I, we've got platforms, pulpits to share the gospel from that Paul could only dream of. We do. I mean, what would it be like <laughs> if this afternoon, after we come home from church and had our dinner, what would it be like if we scrolled through our social media posts, news feeds, and instead of what we all have for dinner, or I'll own it instead of a bunch of cute, cute little pictures of baby ducks, right? Instead of that, we have people sharing their testimony of what Jesus has done in their life. Or maybe a Bible verse pointing people to salvation that's found in Christ alone. The change that God's made in our lives. I want to drop down to verse 17 now because we learned something new here. It's not found elsewhere in Acts. Nowhere else in the New Testament. It appears that at some point in Paul's life, after he trusted in Jesus as Savior, he was here in Jerusalem. He was praying in the temple, the temple that was right behind him, as he now spoke these words. And, and Paul says, God gave me a message in a trance. In some vision, Paul sees God telling him, get out. Get out of Jerusalem, because they're not going to receive your testimony right now. And in verses 20 to 21, Paul agrees with the Lord's message there, saying that because of his past, it would make it very difficult for him to minister there. And God wants him to share the Gospels with the Gentiles anyway. Now, Paul might have planned on saying more here. Like, I don't know if I, we don't have his notes. He might have wanted to go on. But, but his testimony, his sermon here, come to an abrupt halt with what he says in verse 21. I want to read that. And he said unto me, God said unto Paul, depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. Now, Paul had this audience, and he had their ears up until this point uh, right here. Um, once he told them that God had sent them to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, they, they stopped listening real quick like. He had their attention, but now verses 22 and 23 say that the crowd lifted up their voices, and they, they said, away with him. You don't even deserve to live. They were pretty upset. The crowd cried out. They cast off their clothes. They threw dust in there. The riot from hours earlier had returned. And Paul's sermon's done for now. But in verses 23 to 30, we, we see Paul present his credentials. We learn that the chief captain of the Roman soldiers, uh, he sees what's happening. He says, get him back in here. And they bring Paul in to the castle, to the barracks. And he tells the soldiers, all right, we got to get to the bottom of this. You need to interrogate Paul by, by scourging to find out what, what has caused this whole mess here. Now, Paul's been beaten before. He's been whipped before. In 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four, Paul says, uh, five different times I got from the Jews, 39 lashes, save one. But what's talked about here is something different. The scourging here is, is different. This is that whip that's got multiple leather strands embedded in it, or pieces of bone and glass and um, stone. 
The whole design that the Romans designed, it was to rip pieces of flesh from, from the human body. It was on these steps right now where Paul's about to encounter this. It was on these steps decades earlier that Paul's Lord and Savior experienced the same thing from these Roman soldiers. And Paul's not looking forward to encountering this. Uh, so in verse 25, he presents his credentials. He's about to be whipped this way. Paul asks a centurion standing by, probably the guy that was about to do it to him. Uh, Paul says, is it lawful for you to scourge a man that's Roman and who hasn't been condemned? Now that got the soldier's attention. And immediately he goes to the chief captain and says, hey, this guy's a Roman. Did you know that? And the chief captain comes to Paul and he says, is that true? Now, if it wasn't, what Paul just did was a capital offense. He could be murdered in the Roman government if you... If you said you were a Roman citizen and you weren't, um, you could be killed. At the end of verse 27, Paul just tells that chief captain, yeah. Simple reply, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Roman citizen. And chief captain says, I paid for mine, a great sum of money. I paid for my citizenship. Paul said, I didn't. I was born this way. I was free born as a citizen. And in verse 29, it says straightway. I don't know if you remember that word from our journey through the gospel of Mark. It was there like 30, 40 times. And then immediately, like real quick, like very fast, they all leave. The ones who are about to whip Paul and interrogate Paul. And it says that the chief captain was also afraid because he knew that Paul was a Roman because he had bound him. And they immediately, wisely, if they don't want to get more trouble, they halt their plans to whip Paul. But they still didn't know what's going on here. And so verse 30 says that the next day the chief captain looses Paul from his bonds. Doesn't free him. He's just unshackled. And then... The chief captain calls in the Sanhedrin, calls in the chief priests and all the elders and their council to appear along with Paul. He's going to get to the bottom of this. We'll find out together next time we're together what happens. You know, we've studied uh, this morning what's a powerful presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, how, we, how you and I can be saved uh, by telling God, you know, I'm done trying to earn my salvation by what I do or what I don't do. I mean, we got no hope in saving ourselves. Uh, but how, how God offers us salvation simply by you and I trusting in Jesus Christ as Savior. Have you done that? I mean, if not, what is the holdup? Uh, what's the obstacle? What's stopping you? I mean, God's calling you right here this morning to trust in Jesus as Savior. If you've never done that, do it right now. Do it now. Uh, he says, God says in 2 Corinthians 6, dude, today is the day of salvation. Now. Don't delay anymore. Quit resisting God's Holy Spirit. Ask Jesus to be your Savior. Tell God you're trusting in Jesus to save you from your sins. Do that right now. Christian, you have done that. You're like, yeah, I remember when you were talking about, you know, think back to that time when that happened in your life. All right, you, you, you've done that. Do you, do you realize that you and I have opportunities? We've got platforms and we've got pulpits every single day that come our way to share with others the testimony of our salvation. And here's the thing, after what God's reminded us of this morning in his word, look, we cannot claim ignorance anymore. You and I not recognizing those opportunities, uh, us not seizing them when we do, it's nothing short of disobedience to the Lord. Let's call it what it is. Whether it's fear or, or embarrassment, I want to be thought negatively of, or whatever it is, whatever it is, when God brings some opportunity your way to point others to Jesus, to share your testimony, to tell them who Jesus is and what he's done. You and I choosing not to do so is what? It's saying. It's saying, plain and simple. And if the Holy Spirit's leaning on you, telling you, hey, that needs to change this morning, then because of the grace of God to us in Jesus Christ, let's do what we're supposed to do when God makes us aware of some sin in our life. 
we run to the cross. And in humility, we confess it. And we repent of it. And we can do it with joy because we're receiving the full and free forgiveness that the blood of Jesus Christ has bought us. Will you do that? Will you tell the Lord, now I've not been sharing Jesus with others like I know I should or I could. You've given me this mission, God. Every one of us, you've given us this mission. The mission is a goal. We've been hearing about that for three months now, but I've not been going. Not like I'm supposed to. Judy, would you come uh, play a piano for us to sing and have a time to respond to God's word? Who will ask God this morning? Who's going to pray as we have a time to respond? God, bring me some opportunities. You, you pray that God will do it. And then say, God, help me to recognize them. Don't, I don't need to make it more difficult than it needs to be. I don't need like a five-point plan. And, you know, I'm not selling somebody a car. Just, Lord, help me to share the gospel. Help me to tell them what Jesus has done for me. Help them to share my testimony. Empowered by your Holy Spirit, when I see that and understand what you're doing, God, help me to courageously seize those opportunities and tell other people about the joy that I have in Jesus Christ. Will you stand with me as we close and respond to God's truth this morning? Let's sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus.